Are you tired of putting yourself last? Of taking care of everybody else's needs and powering through to meet the next set of impossible standards? In our fast-paced society, we lose touch with our intrinsic worth, with the ability to value ourselves for who we are right now. Instead of living life exhausted, frustrated, and disconnected from your authentic self, maybe it's time to put yourself back in the life you've worked so hard to create. Join radio host and life choreographer Laura Cheadle and learn how to build your dreams and live your sparkle using the five steps of flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. I'm Lord Cheadle, and as usual, I have got a fascinating guest on today's show. Um, today, we have got an author, a speaker, a poet, and a workshop leader who offers a fresh approach to how our emotions work and how we can achieve emotional and spiritual intelligence. Now, if that's not exciting, I don't know what is. And as usual, we're going to walk him through the five steps of flaunt and get his take on what those five steps mean to him as it relates to both him and his work. Now, he's a member of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle and originated the Healing Chant Workshop and the Journeys into the Fire Intensive. And I can't wait to find out more about both of those things because those are things I don't really know anything about. Anyway, he has workshops and lectures in the U.S., Canada, Europe, South Africa, Japan, and Australia. Um, he's the author of Becoming a Son, Emotional and Spiritual Intelligence for a Happy, Fulfilling Life, which is an international bestseller. So with that, I am so excited to bring on my guest, David. And you know what's really funny? I just realized that even though we chatted before the show, I did not ask him how to correctly pronounce his last name. Air one of the show. <laughs> so David, can you correctly pronounce your last name for me and for our audience as well? Yeah, sure, Laura. So glad to be on with you. My last name is Karshir. Karshir. David Karshir. Thank you for that. I just looked at that and I was like, huh, we didn't cover that as we were chatting before the show. <laughs> Well, welcome. I'm so excited to hear about you and your work. Um, let's dive right in with your book, Becoming a Son, Emotional and Spiritual Intelligence for a Happy, Fulfilling Life. What do you mean by become the son? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to make it clear for your listeners that it's son, S-U-N. Yes. So, thank you for that. Yep. So uh, do you think that we all have some kind of fire inside us that's somehow looking to come out? You know? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. And I think most people would say yes to that. And do you think there's some kind of light inside us that ah. is looking to come through our awareness, through our mind, and then somehow sh shine a light of wisdom into this crazy old world we live in? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would think most people would, would think the same. I surely do. I know it's true for me. And then there are other qualities of the sun. 
that, that are also qualities of something inside us that wants to come out. And, you know, one of the qualities that we know of the sun is it's got gravity. It's Ooh. got gravity. So it holds planets in its orbit. It attracts to it what needs to come. And as a matter of fact, it's the property of gravity that creates the fusion, that brings the, the atoms to the center of, of the sun so that there's fusion. So in my book, I talk about how there is a gravity in us that's wanting to emerge into our world to, to hold things in place, to attract to us what's meant to be with us. But it takes courage to be a person who has gravity. So when I talk about becoming a son, I'm saying that all those qualities, all those son qualities are natural to us and that they want out. And we, we either let them come out through us as a conscious human being, or if we turn our back on them, they just burn us in the butt. That's true. That's yeah, true. So. <laughs> you know, I, what I really like about that is, well, I, there's a lot that I really like about that, but I like it because we can all relate to the qualities of the sun. You know, when you were talking about that, it's like, yes, I get that. Yes, I understand that. It, it's the sun is such a life-giving force and we do want to be life-giving. I think that is part of the human drive and human desire. So my question though is, do you relate that human drive and that human desire to being spiritual? Or do you think that's more of something that is just part of our DNA, part of our genetic makeup? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great question. So what, what I believe about that, Laura, is that we need new symbols for our spirituality. And uh, um, the, the old religious iconography, it can be beautiful. So it can be deep and meaningful for people, but it can also lead into ruts for some people. And yes. I think when I talk to people, they're looking for a new way to talk about their spirituality. And so the symbol of the sun and all the properties of the sun are a way to talk about our spirituality. And, and you could call it spiritual, but I also believe it's, it's very real and very practical because the reality is within our body, we have atomic power in our atoms. We know if we could ever unleash all that atomic power, you know, it, it would create disaster. That's what an atomic bomb is. Hmm. But when it's released creatively through us, all that energy, and it's all atomic energy, it's, it's doing the same thing that the sun is doing and the fusion that's present on the sun. It's creating something that emanates through us as a human being, that constellates uh, in our lives in a very human kind of way, but yet it, it is profound and beautiful and it transcends how we have thought of ourselves to be uh, most often. Right. Wow. I like that. And I like that you talk about, um, you know, the creativity and, and how it, how it emanates out of us because whether going back to the religious traditions and I, I feel like, you know, just I personally bridge both. And I think a lot of our readers, what readers, listeners identify more as being spiritual, but you're right. A lot of that religious iconography is also beautiful and helpful. And what I like about that is 
it, it's both religious and spiritual to create. It's both religious and spiritual to be more and to move you into that something more. That will ultimately create yeah. the you know a fulfill a fulfill fulfilled life and internal satisfaction and joy. So how, how, are, how do you see people right now? You know, the, the people that you work with, the people that you lecture with, do you think people right now today, um, both on planet earth and in the U S tend to be pretty happy or do you think they tend to struggle with happiness? What's, what's your perception of that? That's a great question. And, you know, of course it's different for everybody. And, and I think individually, we're all at a different stage of our own human awakening. And so, you know, for some, they're well on their way to awakening to something inside them that I describe as the power of the sun. Mm -hmm. So however they describe it, that they are awakening to the creative power that's within them. They're letting it come through and express itself. And they're learning about all that. And then they're becoming more and more that and their living expression but then you know there's certainly plenty of people who haven't awoken to that and they're living a life of superstition where they impute power to other people to government to uh to to money and they feel helpless and powerless themselves and they feel like they're a victim of the world in which which they live so I think our world has a mixture of all that. And America is no different from the rest of the world. I think we are all around the world going through this awakening. And the thing is that no matter where you are individually, you're part of what's happening for all of us as humanity. So as humanity, we are this mixed bag and we're all in that mixed bag with each other. Yeah. I really like that. I really like that. Um, so once we kind of have that spark, that awareness that, wow, there is something more. I, I want to harness these powers of the sun. I really want to do more. What's, what's kind of that next step? And, you know, I'm thinking personally for the listeners who are listening today, they might be thinking, wow, David, Laura, that really resonates the powers of the sun. Now what? Yeah. So, um, not to plug my book, but my book is all about that. It is, is, it's all about the process by which we open up to that radiance inside us and let it into us and then let it out. So nice. the, the first step I describe is about the warmth of blessing. The warmth of blessing. And blessing I describe as love to the heart. So this this universal energy that's in the sun itself, and it's in us, in our atoms, in our, in our heart, that universal energy is universal love. And the yeah. first step of letting it in is you got to let it into your heart. You got to find some way of opening your heart, cracking open and letting it in and let it devastate your loneliness, your isolation, your sense of futility. And if you let it in, you get to find out that you're loved by the universe and you, and then you have love to give. So that first step is so critical because nothing else good happens if you don't take that first step. And it's so simple that most people overlook it. <laughs> looking for something sophisticated. This isn't sophisticated. This is cracking open and letting love in. 
I like that. So it, it's my guess that this is a process that you went through personally yourself at some point in time. Is that right? Uh, still am. So, <laughs> so, so it's a, I, I believe this is our life process as human beings. And, you know, for some of it, we've awoken to what's happening mm-hmm. and we have some degree of cooperating or, or, or consciously participating in the process. You know, at whatever level of awareness. Others, like I say, we, we're not open to it. It's just burning us in the butt. Right. So for me, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm a child of the 60s. Mm-hmm. So I was in high school in 1969. I was really unhappy. I was really angry. You know, I was angry at the war in Vietnam. That was our war in that day. We've got our own wars today. Right. And it was so wrong. It was so unjust. And, and so me and, and many others were, were protesting the war. And then I was looking around at the world and seeing how dysfunctional it was and thinking, gee, I don't want to be a part of that. And then I realized that the things I was seeing wrong in the world around me had infected my own heart and my own soul. Hmm. And, and as you can imagine, that was... That was really frightening. That was terrible when I realized that. And finally, I I woke up to the fact that the answer for myself, I wasn't going to find it in the world around me. It was within me to access. It was um, the very power of love within me that that I wasn't feeling. And it was a wisdom that I hadn't tapped into. And so in my own way, I cracked open. And I was so relieved and so delighted. And I've been on a path ever since of letting that that power of the sun, the reality of the sun, download into me and express out through me. And I believe that's entirely natural for any of us as human beings. I believe that is our destiny. It's our human journey. And and when we're that way, it's not that we're necessarily pain-free and everything goes perfect. Right. It's, it's, you know, we're still living in the world the way it is, but we are deep down inside happy and we know fulfillment in our life because we're doing what we, what we came here to do, which is to become a son and be a son. I love that. And you know, when you were talking about that and sharing that story, I, I love how you talked about the things around you had infected your soul. And I thought about that point, you know, that point in time, you could have allowed that infection to seep in and then you would have had it flow through you and you would have given that infection out and you would have become part of the problem. And I liked how you talked about it's kind of our journey to let things absorb in so we can pass it through. And it's that moment of choice. Am I going to let the good stuff you know, positively infect my soul so I can pass that through me? Or am I just going to let all of this bad, horrible, awful stuff infect me and pour through me? And, and it seems like it, it's the action that's the same, but it's the choice of what we allow to take hold of us. And we can make a choice that that's positive, blessings, beautiful stuff, or all of the junk that we hear around us. Absolutely. And, you know, in the culture in which we live, there's plenty of junk and it's, it's not getting less. <laughs> so, uh, and you could say it's naive or something or some 
undue innocence to open up to what's beautiful. But I say, what else are you going to do? Or you just want to absorb all the stuff that's around you that is corrupt and then just be disillusioned and disheartened by that? Yeah, we got to face all that stuff for real and shed some light on it. I'm, I'm all in favor of that. But if you don't find a way, if any, any of us don't find a way to open up to what's beautiful and pure and innocent inside ourselves, wow, that gets to be really tough. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't even want to be in a world like that. It, it was interesting because I've got uh, sons who are young adults and we were talking about a similar concept and they were talking about, you know, politics and decisions because we've got the election coming up, at least at the time that we're recording this. Um, and it's just, you know, a small state, state election, but still... We, I was talking to them about this is our chance to choose the kind of world that we want to live in. And there's some power, no matter how small, in helping form that. And we were talking about, you know, because they were saying with some of those same things, mom, you're naive about that. And it's like, yes and no. Yes, I can be perceived as naive, but I'm telling you what kind of world that I choose to live in and what kind of world I choose to create. And by not buying into some of that negativity and by not buying into the fear, I'm just letting you know what kind of world I want to be in. And if all of us made that choice, we might be in a better place. We might all become the sun and create beautiful, life-affirming things in this world. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, what I think happens for people is that they, they seek to create something. So they have the intent to create and they take some action and then it doesn't turn out like they think. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, maybe somebody you were counting on to help doesn't help or uh, maybe the government has some law that just stops you or whatever it is. There are all these things that that mean that things don't go as we think they would go. And so then the person can get the belief that they're a victim of everything that's happening around them and they're helpless. But it's actually not true because the way creation works, the way it works to be a creator is it doesn't go like you think. But if you keep putting it out there, you keep putting it out there, there is a pressure of creation that you're bringing to the world and it yields results in the long term. Yeah. It's not a short-term pop proposition. And I, just, I think we just have to believe that if we let the sun inside, inside us shine, if we bring the power of love that we have to bring to the world, we bring our light, our truth, we bring uh, just the vibrancy of who we are, it's going to create something. And it doesn't mean it's going to go as you think it's going to go. But I've proven to myself time after time that when I act like that, it creates something beautiful in the world. That I, I'm affirming that I have a power as a creator. And I believe we all do. Right, right. Now you talk about this atmosphere of understanding. Can you explain to the listeners kind of what that is and how, how that applies to everything? Because I think that's important too. Yep, I sure can. So you know, the first chapter, the seven chapters, the first chapter is about the warmth of blessing, which is about the interaction between our spiritual nature and our emotional nature. When we're talking about uh, the atmosphere of understanding, the longer word for that might be the understanding of the heart. 
So for most, well, and I'll say that that's a dynamic between our thinking and our feeling. So for most people, what I observe happens and what I found in myself is that our thinking gets critical of what we're feeling. We, we think, so we're feeling something, like we're feeling sadness or we're, we're angry. And then we have the thought, well, I shouldn't be feeling that. Well, that's right. silly because you are feeling that. So we judge ourselves. We think, I'm, I'm a weak person because I'm feeling that or I'm a bad person because I'm feeling that. So our thoughts end up judging our feelings. Now, what do you think happens with our feelings if we keep judging them? They hide themselves from our thoughts. Yeah. And, and what I found working with people in workshops and otherwise is for so many people, they can't even tell you what they're feeling. Yes. They, they don't know. It, and, and us guys are the worst at it. You ask a, a guy what, what he's feeling and he would say, tired. Or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. And, and, and what, that's what happens when you constantly judge what you're feeling. Your feelings just retract and you get unconscious about what you're feeling. Whereas if you hold an attitude of non-judgment and you say to yourself, okay, you're feeling sad. I understand. Then the heart actually relaxes and becomes vulnerable. And, you, and then you become a conscious person who has an atmosphere of understanding around your own feelings. And if you can do that for yourself, you could do it for another person and tell somebody else, hey, I get your feeling sad. That make you a bad person. Doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It's just how you're feeling. And, and I understand, I have compassion. Right. So is that what they call emotional intelligence? You know, it's a big part of it. I think, I think there's a facet of emotional intelligence around everything we do. Yes. So how about this? Like, how well do you think when you're scared? Not very well. Because no, most you're of in... us don't. <laughs> right. So if we don't figure out the emotional component of life and whatever facet of life is up for us, if we don't have an atmosphere of understanding so that we can understand what we're feeling, and then we can just be with what we're feeling, then there's, there's not only not, not emotional intelligence, but whatever that function is, it doesn't work very well because wh whatever the function is, there's an emotional component that, that is so important to, to be wise about. Right. I like that. I really like that. I love the idea of um, that whole atmosphere of understanding. And I'm also liking it in terms of the sun and, and planets. And we have, we have to protect our atmosphere on planet Earth. And we have to protect our atmosphere within our bodies, within our minds, within our hearts, so we can figure out what it is that we're thinking and feeling. I, I just like all the connection of that, yeah. all of that. Um, I, I want to kind of jump sideways a tiny bit on that and tell listeners this because I bet they don't know this. Your book is written with like poetry and prose and it's not just a how to do this. Step one, do this. Step two, do that. Step three, do that. How does that, how does the poetry, the prose, how does that all layer into emotions and emotional intelligence and an atmosphere of understanding and cracking open and flowing the goodness through. How, how does that all work? Because 
it's my guess that there's something more there. Yeah. Uh, so, you, you know, re really, Laura, I started to write this book as purely a pro a book of prose that was how to like how to have emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I got I don't know what it was, 40, 50 pages in and it just wasn't working. And I started to think about it. And I said, you know what? This isn't how we learn. No. As human beings. It is, you don't just get a how-to thing and then do it when it comes to emotional intelligence. By the very definition of what it is, you have to feel it. You, you have to employ part of your wisdom, part of your discernment that isn't purely intellectual. And then I, be, so I stopped and, and, you know, temporarily I gave up. And then I started to think about how we actually learn and understand. And it is, yes, intellectual, so that's, that's important, but it's also emotional and it's poetic. Hmm. There, there's some part of us that describes the things that we can't see in terms of things that we can see. And that's what poetry is, right? I mean, yeah. a poem is talking about things you can't see, but it's, it's using the symbology of the world in which we live to describe something. So, so when I say we're becoming a sun, that's actually a, a, a bit of poetry, really. Yes, it is. Because we're not really becoming this physical flaming object in the sky. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you and I, when, when I say that, we, we ponder it and say, you, you know, there's something true about that that describes what's happening for me in a way that I couldn't describe before. And, and so I, I'm a poet anyway, mm -hmm. and I, I took some of the poetry I'd already written, and then I wrote a bunch more. And so the, the chap, within each chapter of the book, there are these little uh, about three-page segments of prose or a poem. And, and so as I pictured it when I wrote it, I thought, you know, each of these three pages or each poem could be a day's reading. And I pictured the book sitting on somebody's nightstand and them just you know, reading, reading a poem before they went to sleep. And, you know, I can, I can tell you honestly that I'm really pleased that I've had people come up to me who've read the book. And of course, I was pleased that they bought it, but I was much more pleased that they told me that they liked it, <laughs> that it was, right. it was nourishing for them. It was inspiring. It was enlightening for them. And, and, and it also uh, nourished their, their heart and soul. So, so that, as you can imagine, made, made me really happy as an author. Oh, absolutely. And I like the term nourish because I, I think we all want to be nourished. We all want to be fed. And people, I, in my work, I've come across this. Perhaps it's the same that's true for you. People want to know. They want to know what job, what career, what relationships, what house, what state, because there's so many things in life that are unknown. You know, which doctor, which course of treatment, which there's just all of these unknowns. And just to sit back and to allow oneself to be nourished with something that's beautiful and enriching just feels so good because it enables us to step out of that constant, do I turn left or do I turn right <laughs> state of being yeah. that we all live in. Yeah, I agree. So, 
you know, we, we certainly all need that. And, and, and I think as human beings, we're made to nourish each other, really, yes. to be supportive, to be, to uh, somehow feed, feed each other's heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also like that there's some lessons at the end of all of, of the chapters. So people can nourish and themselves and they can read the poetry and they can feel it and it's beautiful. But then there's also a transformative lesson that really takes you into the, hey, think about this, do this, move yeah. into that. Yeah, I think that's really important for people. I, I think we all want something we can practice or try on for ourselves in some way. And so, you know, re- reading a book is wonderful, but uh, I did think that if, if you give some people something to do, it's a, an experience they're, that they're going to have. And that comes out of my, my work as a facilitator of workshops. And- yes. And I'm glad we went there because I want to hear about some of these. You've got Healing Chant, Evolutionary Leader Circle, Journey into the Fire. Do you, are all of these workshops around becoming a son, the emotional intelligence, or how, how does this all work? Yeah. So it all is kind of uh, feeding off the same knowledge. So the, so the, the foundational understanding that's behind my book is behind all these things. I do have a four-day workshop that is Becoming a Son, and I'm nice. doing it um, next spring. And people can go to my website, davidcarshare.com, if they want to find out about that. Uh, but all, all those things are related, and they're just, again, born out of the the understanding that people learn not just because they're thinking about something intellectually, but because they're engaging with it experientially. Yes. So, so that makes all the difference. Yes. Makes a huge difference because we all learn differently and, and it just reinforces it, which I love. Yeah. Now, I want to take you as a person, as a human who's gone through this, and you, David, workshop leader, author. And I want to ask you some of these questions and take you through the five steps of flaunt. And when there are moments that David the soul has a different response than David the thought leader, I'd love it if you can move into that too, because I think that's really powerful and transformative to list for listeners to hear. Is, is, is that something you'd be willing to do? Yeah, totally. Perfect. Okay. Listeners, for those of you who are not familiar with my show, I work with the five steps of flaunt and flaunt is an acronym. F is for find your fetish. And that's the thing that you just love that you just do for the sake of doing, you know, how kids play for the sake of playing not for the sake of accomplishing something or getting better or impressing somebody else. Your fetish is that thing inside that just lights you up. L stands for laugh out loud. And that's everything that just brings you unbridled joy and makes you giggle and release emotionally. AU is for accept unconditionally both the positives, the blessings, as well as the difficult things in your life. and those around you. N is navigating the negative and that's how you keep going when life doesn't turn out the way you think it should turn out. T is for trust in your truth and that is that thing inside of you that you rely on no matter what. 
So David, let's start with that F. Find okay. your fetish. What is that thing that just lights you up that you do that you just can't believe how much joy it brings you? No, thanks for asking, Laura. Uh, well, uh, uh, there are many things. I'll start with this. Good. I love this. I love having this conversation with you. I just love illuminating the human experience, my own and, and other people's. I love hearing about what people are feeling. I love exploring what makes us tick and how we work. So that's fascinating for me. I, I love to do it in a context like this. I love to do it on just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So, you know, this fascinates me. Uh, and, you know, I don't write poetry because I want to sell poetry or, or I do enjoy sharing it, but actually at the core of it, I write it because I love to write it. Yeah. I just love putting just the internal rhythms of my being into words that, and so it gets to live, you know, as printed word. And then I get to share that with another. And there's a hard experience always that I, that I'm trying to communicate or, or express through the words of the poem. And the, and the idea that I could put that on paper and then share it with another human being and have them resonate with the same experience I had, uh, I love that. That's powerful. I mean, yes, 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 and yes, because, you know, everything that we talked about with creativity and, and letting things flow through us and offering it to another person, Writing poetry has got to feel so darn good. It does. Ah, I love that. Now for the next step, which is L, laugh out loud. Few questions here. How do you value humor? And what are the things that you do to bring humor into your life? And what do you find funny? Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'll be very honest. Um, I'm a pretty serious person, mm -hmm. so I can get too serious, really. Yeah. Because uh, I'm really serious about my life purpose, what I'm committed to, and, and all of that. I'm really serious about bringing something to the world that changes the world and, and changes other people uh, for the better. So those are, that's all pretty serious stuff. So one of the things I do, quite honestly, is that I surround myself with people who make me laugh. And nice. when they get me laughing, I get, I, I get on a mission of making them laugh too. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that, that's one thing. And then on a good day, I can really laugh at myself and things that happen to me. I can laugh at how like, crazy eccentric I am about what I do and how passionately committed I am to it. And I can just laugh at myself and all the, the life adventures that, that I go through. Yes. So there's that. Yes. So here, here's, here's my question for you on that too, because I think we have a lot of commonality with that. And we both help people have happy lives. You know, and, and your book even talks about becoming a son, you know, for a happy life. And I think a lot of people equate humor with happiness. And 
I feel as if sometimes I can get too serious because I'm pushing so hard for that happiness. Dang it, they're not happy. (laughs) (laughs) And I just didn't know if you ever had moments like that where you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't need to be this serious about having fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I go to two places with that. And one is, uh, well, the the very thought that you just expressed. And then I I look for things that, that, that make me laugh. Uh, You know, sometimes when, you know, for instance, if the politics of our country get too grim, it's yes. good to watch a comedy show where they're just making fun of it all. Right. But, th- but there's another side to all this too, which is, hey, if, like, if life got serious, okay, I'm, I'm up for a moment of seriousness. And I don't want to shame myself for getting serious either. And you yes. know, sometimes there are tough things that happen to us and we don't feel like laughing. And it's like, I, I don't want to dump on myself for, for that happening either. It's like, okay, whatever it is. You know, if it's a serious moment, if it's a difficult moment, a sad moment, if it's a happy-go-lucky moment, I'm here for it all. And I just know that I'm not here for the strife or the turmoil or the trouble. But if that's what comes, I'm here for it. And I'll I'll find my way through. And I am here for the joy and the happiness. And I know that that's how all things end if I stay on my path. Yeah, I love that. And that moves right into the next step, AU, accept unconditionally. And earlier in the show, you talked about the fact that we can be the most, you know, thoughtful, emotionally intelligent, spiritual beings in the universe, and we can create, and it can so not be what we thought it was. (laughs) How do you deal with accepting unconditionally things that happen that aren't at all what you thought they would be? Yeah. Uh, So uh, I want to take you up in your invitation to be honest about, you know, not just what I Yes. Tell tell the world about, but what what it, what it really is for me. I mean, sometimes those things, honestly, are just agonizing. Yes. Right. I mean, there are things that happen in our life, and there are things that happen in my life. You know, in some way, I, I've led a, a pretty fortunate life, but still, I experience all, you know the same things that everybody else does, and there are things that have happened in my life with people and situations. It's it's agonizing. It, it hurts. Yeah. And it's sad, you know? So I think the first thing is, you know, just to acknowledge, Hey, I'm a human being like everybody else. And as human beings, I feel things deeply and I'm okay feeling things. Yeah. And what I found is, you know, I go to sleep at night and I get up in the next morning and you know, I didn't die. I'm still here. And the sun rose that day. And, okay, there's going to be another day and life goes on. And I don't want to de- deny myself all those human experiences. It's part of living a human life. And I am here to embrace it all. And then I, I really think those experiences bring you ultimately to grace. And grace is being in the middle of whatever is happening, whether it's happy, seemingly happy or sad, 
being in the middle of it and then being here for it, being here for yourself, being grateful that you're alive. Um, and, and, you know, as these two letters say, be, being accepting uh, unconditionally of, okay, I may not like it, but it's here. And yeah. then it's embracing the circumstance. And then ultimately, I think there's an affirming of who we are as a, as a creator. Like we're, we have creative power, the creative power of the sun. And here's this situation. And I don't, you know, I can't necessarily figure out why it happened. But what I do know is I can bring my creativity to it and make the best of it and see yeah. where I can take it. And, and that's, you know, I think that's my process. I love that. I really love that. Bringing your creativity to it. Yes, that is so true because that again gets us out of that victim mode that this is awful. Everything's terrible. And it's, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I am the sun. I am creative. What can I do? And then on a very human level, what is it that you find the most difficult to accept unconditionally about other people or situations? Mm. That's a hard one. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's hard to witness somebody else being mean and stupid. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. You witness and it's like, wow. So so most often the person is self-sabotaging and then they're, you know, they're generous enough to share their sabotage with other people. And, and, and so when you see that destructive bent, um, it, it's hard to watch. And, uh, and then there's an ignorance, of course, that's in all that. And h- how do you begin to understand what would make a person do such a thing? Right. So it's, it's hard to be the recipient of that. Or to, or simply to be a witness to it in somebody else, it makes you, you, you makes you feel badly about being a human being when yeah. you witness it. Yeah, I hear you on that, and I like how you said it makes you feel badly to be a human being because, yeah, I f- I feel that, and and I'm with you about feeling things deeply and feeling so such pain and shame and sadness around that. So. Thank you for your honesty there. Um, going to that next step and navigating the negative, do you have any tips or tricks that you can share with our listeners that are your top tricks for navigating that? You know, when you witness something horrendous, when things aren't working and you bring your creativity to it and it still doesn't work some of the top tricks that you use to get yourself moving and out of that funk? Yeah, I, I think there are all kinds of ad, attitudinal things that go into this. And so in some way, all kinds of things that I tell myself and, and, and also that I tell other people because I hear from people who face exactly this issue and what I share with them is what I share, you know, what I tell myself. And, and so one of the things I, I tell myself is the things that I can't control can't matter. Yeah. So I can't control what other people do. And even though I f- have feelings about it, I, it can't matter. 
What I can control is the creativity that I express. So the warmth of blessing, the atmosphere of understanding that I bring, um, I can control that. And what I find is that when I allow that to continue to pour through me, regardless of what other people are doing, I'm on the path to knowing happiness and fulfillment. Yeah. And, and nobody can stop me. Nobody can, nobody can stop me from loving. You know, what really hurts is when you stop loving. So if somebody sick. else can make you stop loving, now they really hurt you. Because I believe that we're all sons by our nature, meaning we all have universal love to bring to the world. That's our nature. If somebody can, can convince you that's not your nature and to stop loving, now you're really in trouble. So forgiveness is huge. Not so much that the person needs forgiving. It's more that you deserve not to stop loving. That's the real point. Right. Right. And, you know, you had talked about how it's difficult to witness somebody being mean, being stupid. It's also, I think, that forgiveness being extended to that, that, wow, their actions, their unenlightenment, their has caused me to stop loving, which requires that I extend forgiveness both to myself and to that person, and to that situation, and to continue to be in your natural state of being a son, and loving, and giving. Yeah, well said, Laura. So true. Mm. Yeah, so sad. So that takes us again to that last step, which is T, trust in your truth. And it's my guess that your truth for you, as well as for everybody around you, is that we are the sun. What else about your truth can you share? Both your truth as a thought leader and your truth as a sometimes scared, sometimes unforgiving, you know, fearful person that we all slip into. What, what, are, what are some more insights you can give about the truth of David Karsher? Yeah. Wow. Uh profound, you know, to think about that. And so somehow that truth is, is hard to define. I could try to name it. And in a way, it's um, a signature vibration. You know, I, I know what it feels like to be me. Hmm. And, and what it feels like to be me is to express how much I love. And I believe like all of us, I love other people hugely and I love this world and I love my life. Yes. And there's a vibration to that. There's a feeling of it. And, and that, I, I, I just, whatever happens, I return to that vibration, that experience of knowing that is being me, is, is just living a life that is an expression of that love and of being of service to my world. And when I'm doing that, it, it all works out right in the end. I, I have faith. I have trust in that. Uh, I, I have trust also in my own eyes. Yeah. You know, meaning when I look around at the world, I see what I see. I see what's true in people. 
And I also see what's false, or at least as best I, as I can. And I don't have to judge another person for being false or condemn them, but I also don't have to not see it. And it is yeah. what it is. So it, I, I trust my own eyes, I trust what I see, and I learn to discern what's really happening, and then to find my way in the world with wisdom that allows me to be myself and to create navigating all that's around me. And, you know, this culture that we live in and all the people that we navigate, there are a lot of pitfalls and all that. So I, I do think we need to be able to see, see what's really happening and see the truth of it for ourselves. Wow. I like that. I like that. Now, um, I don't know if you would like to do this or if you're prepared to do it, but I would love for you to share a poem, if you've got it, that might sort of define that signature vibration of you. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I, if I'd you need to time that. to grab something, go ahead and do that. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I have it. Um, I have the, my book right here. So I can just turn to a page and there's one in particular I'd love to share. Good. And it's called Between the Birch Trees and Among the Ferns. So should I read it? Please do. Okay, this is from the second chapter, The Atmosphere of Understanding. <clears throat> Come, let us go, my friend, to that place in the forest where we once together stood, between the birch trees and among the ferns, with the sun streaking through the limbs and leaves and the late summer air. Come, let us go to that place with the elephant-skinned beech trees around us, where we gazed into each other's eyes on that day so long ago and swore the oath of our lives, forsaking all but this one thing, that the granite in our hearts would be turned inside out in the September sun, that our best ideas for a world to come would evaporate like the morning dew on the maidenhair ferns at our feet, that eye to eye and man to man, across whatever roads we'd each traveled to that place, in that clearing in the woods, in that hour, and in all the hours and days to come, that for eternity, our being, from the core to each and every finger and toe, all of who and what we are and all of what we have would be given absolutely and totally to the one we could not name, but whom we loved with a love so all-consuming we could no longer de deny. Oh, how my soul aches with that love in this hour, no less unremitting than on that day, only turned more gold than crimson, more like the beech tree than the birch, as I pray for the fullness of this day's harvest. So I beseech you, my friend, come. Let us go to that place in the forest where we once together stood between the birch trees and among the ferns, with the sun streaking through the limbs and leaves and the late summer air. Come with me now to that clearing and let us feel together the sun on our now graying hair. And with that blessing, let us finish what we have yet to do together. 
Wow. I really like that. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, thanks, Laura. That's beautiful. So it's my guess that many of the listeners out there will want to read more of your poems. They will want to read your book and learn about you and your work. Where can they get a hold of you, your book, your work, all of that good stuff? Yeah. So the book is really easy. The, the easiest way to find it is on Amazon, Becoming a Son by David Karsher. And it's easy to, to find and to order. Perfect. And to find out more about me and about the work I do, uh, they can just go to my website, davidkarsher.com. Perfect. That's wonderful. And is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners today about you, your signature vibration, about what it means to become a son, about what they might want to do going forward at the end of this podcast, even without reading your book or going online, just you know, one thing that maybe they could implement in their life today that might start this shift. Yeah. Uh, so as I, I was saying earlier, I believe the start of our life journey, the way we came into the world and what initiates anything good in our life is when we open our heart to, to universal love. Yes. So what I would say is whatever cracks your heart open, go do that. If it's a piece of music or if it's a walk in the woods, if it's talking to a friend, whatever it is, go do that. Allow yourself to crack open, to feel deeply, to let love in. And if you have some tears doing it, have some tears. If you got some sorrows to get over, get over. Let love in. Let, let it devastate your loneliness. Let it devastate your loneliness and reconnect you to your to the core of who you are as a, as, as a being, just let that happen and, and see where that takes you. Because I believe if you do that and you keep your heart open, it will take you on a life journey that will never stop. And it'll bring you to happiness and fulfillment that, that it will bring you to being a son. And, and what, as the first chapter of my book says, what the world needs most from you, is for you to be a son. All the people in your life, they're waiting for you to be a son for them. So that's, that's what I would say. Thank you so much. That is wonderful and absolutely inspirational. And, you know, even just for myself, listeners, I'm just thinking about all the ways that I can crack myself open today and, and how I, you know, I talk about my sparkle and sparkle is, I think the same thing as the sun and whatever it is, whatever you call it, sparkle or sun, definitely. I challenge you to go out today and feel all those wonderful feels. And if they're not wonderful feels, feel those miserable feels. And like we said earlier in the show, don't judge them, just feel them and feel your way through them. As usual, listeners, please reach out if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you need any support. David's here 
I'm here, we're all here, and we're all willing to talk, to engage, to listen, to hear what it is that you're going through. You can find out more information from me at Laura Cheadle, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. I will put David's show up. I will put the links to his book, to his website, to all of that stuff. So if you're driving and you're saying, Laura, I know you, but David, I don't know you. It's okay. You can connect to him through me. No worries. So I challenge you to go find that thing that David was talking about that cracks you open and then flaunt in all of your joy, in all of your sadness, in all of whatever it is you're feeling so you can find that happiness, that fulfillment, so you can be that life-giving, nourishing, nurturing son to those around you. As usual, my lovely listeners, have a fantastic week. I have got something really special coming up for you next week. And shh, I'm not going to say anything else about it, but tune in next week for certain because you're not going to want to miss the bomb that I am going to drop on you. Have a glorious week and don't forget to flaunt. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Come release self-judgment, reveal your naked self-worth, and re-choreograph a life filled with joy. Flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. 